What is going on, everybody? Back again, RB here, Philly Take with RB. I'm joined up here today by my guys, Philly Mike, Philly Talk Podcast, DJ Eastwood, Run It Back, Philly, and my guy Brock Landis, Brock Landis YouTube channel, who, question mark, uh, Landis Brock on Twitter. Shout out to everybody up in here, man. We already got 100 plus in the chat, guys. Highly anticipated, highly requested, and uh, hey, we are live on three different channels. Philly Take with RB, Philly Talk Podcast, and Running Back Philly. Be sure to hit that like and sub for your guys up here, man. Um, yeah, we're here with a roundtable today. And uh, with the trade deadline coming up in just a few days, we're going to be talking about news, rumors. Uh, what should Daryl Morey do? Give us your thoughts in the chat. Uh, we know the Sixers are going to try to make, you know, um, a finals push here. And, you know, maybe what they do in the next couple of days could help determine that. But shout out to my guys up here all three of them for coming on to, you know, chop it up with me tonight. And I'm excited to be here. So we'll go one by one and uh, we'll let each guy tell you about who they are, what they do and uh, where you can find them, man. We'll start with Philly Mike. What's going on, everybody? I go by Philly Mike, as he said, host of the Philly Tall Podcast. We pretty much do Philly sports, but it's mainly Eagles Sixers. I mean, I like baseball, but it's just too much, too many games. Shout out to everybody <laughs> in the chat. Like I said, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. <laughs> hey guys, we're sorry we were late. We're sorry we yeah. were late, man. Hey, it, it took a few minutes to get us up on here. We were talking about some things beforehand. Uh, you know, we're gonna get into it, but hey, we'll go to Brock next. Listen, I appreciate you guys extending your love to me and having me on. I'm super excited for this collab for everybody in the chat. If you haven't met me yet, I'm Brock. You can find me on YouTube. It's just Brock Landis, my name. What I do is post video breakdowns. So we watch regular season games and we break down the entire game. Turnovers, storylines, shots made, what's going on? I break it all down in a 10 to 15 minute video with music. It's good vibes. So if you want to check it out, come over to my channel. I also do player theory videos. And I figured I'd let everybody know I have a Ben Simmons evolution video coming out this week where we compare his film to Scottie Pippen, Magic Johnson, LeBron, a lot of really good names. I'm not sure everyone likes those comps, but the numbers and the film don't lie. You'll see it this week if you tune in. Again, I appreciate you guys having me. Much love to everyone watching. Stay solid. Yes, sir. Oh, it's my turn. DJ Eastwood, run it back. Uh, honest Philly sports talk, period. My opinion, maybe not yours. <laughs> That's how go. I get down. Um, shout out to RB. Shout out to Philly Mike. Shout out to Brock Landis. And yeah, Brock's Brock's breakdowns are amazing. And uh Facts. I, I've been trying to I've been trying to push this stuff on on YouTube and Twitter a lot, and that just proved to me that subscribers come slow no matter what you do. Because I I, I assumed like at least five thousand of my nine thousand would just follow him automatically because the shit's fire. <laughs> and I'm looking, I'm like, ah, one, two, come on, man, where where are the people at? But that's just how it goes. In time, my man will blow us all away because mm -hmm. he's putting out fire breakdowns. I appreciate that slow grind, but. We're all putting out great content. I mean, it's a saturated market, so you got to take different angles. I think the four of us do that really well. Yes, sir. I'm thinking about calling Brock Breakdown Brock from now on, whether it's sticking you know, or not. I'm going with Breakdown they, they could drop it in the chat or something, but I've been looking for a name. Like, I was thinking Brock Solid Breakdowns. I don't know, but if anyone has a name, there we go. Me a favor, drop it in the chat. Hey, shout out to everybody. Brock. We got 200 up in here. Again, guys, we're live on three different channels. Um, we can't really see which channels the Super Chats and the members are from. So we're just going to shout out everybody. Shout out to Birds Nation 302 coming with a $5 donation. Appreciate the support. And shout out to Seth with a $2 donation. Says, y'all are the fantastic four. Yep, All right, how about that? 
Put the it on the Avengers of Sixers YouTube. <laughs> DJ, put it on the Avengers. There you go. <laughs> Hey, yeah, that's but, not a bad idea. All four of our faces, man. The Fantastic Four. There you go. Maybe the thumbnail, right? But hey, um, before we get into the tree stuff, I do want to recognize Paul Reed, uh, B-Ball Paul, out the mud, B-Ball Paul. Uh, he won MVP and Rookie of the Year of the G League today. And he was up with us for, you know, a couple, I think a couple weeks to begin the season. He was there when everybody went out. Um, didn't get a lot of minutes, but I'll tell you guys, you know, honestly, from my perspective, I never saw that coming, the way he tore up the G League. What do you guys think? You think he could be a rotation player someday? Baby steps. You know what I mean? Baby steps, but it's it's yeah. something. Yeah, I think I think Doc Rivers just takes his time with people with, with players, you know, more than maybe some of us would like. Uh some of these guys might have potential to contribute right now. We just won't really know until they're given the minutes. And uh maybe uh Tyrese Maxey kind of ruined that for everybody when he was given <laughs> 30 minutes a game in the first part of the season. <laughs> yeah, which, I think which, with Reed I agree. It's baby steps. I'm going to take precautious measures because we did this with Zaire Smith. We did this with Shayok. So I'm mm -hmm. taking precautious measures, but he had a really fast development. Like out of college, he could shoot the ball pretty well, but it came along really nicely in the G League. He was dropping dudes off with the dribble, catching and shooting, pulling up. A fantastic performance in the bubble. And listen, Daryl Morey is not the type of GM to just throw something at the wall and hope it sticks. He's a very calculated person. The fact that he got Isaiah Joe – and Tyrese Maxey in the same draft is enough. Paul Reed there too. I think that was an intentional move, and I see a lot of potential in Paul Reed. I love it, man. Hey, I, I agree with all you guys. And speaking of Brock's point about Daryl Moore, we might as well hop into the trade stuff. Um, I like how you say he's calculated. I think that's a good word to describe Daryl. You know, I he's very good with the analytics. He's going to break down every move. That's what I know about Daryl. You know, he's he's a fan of the game. He's never going to overlook something before it needs to. And uh, I'm expecting Daryl Morey to go out here and make a move, maybe two moves. I don't think it's going to be a huge splash that everyone thinks, uh, but I think we're going to fill out the bench as much as uh, possible. And I think we might get some veteran experience or whatever the case may be. Uh, but first off, let's start with a rumor today. So I don't know if you guys heard, but uh, Kyle Lowry, according to Shams, and look, we can't believe Shams 100% <laughs> of the time, all right? <laughs> because we've, we've been burned by that before. Um, but according to Shams, the Heat and the Sixers are the two favorites for Kyle Lowry, apparently. Um, now, this has been going on for a couple of weeks. He's been linked to the Sixers. He's from Philadelphia. He sold his home in Toronto. I just want to go around and get everyone's thoughts. What would you think about a guy like Kyle Lowry? I think it's fair to say we're not going to trade for Bradley Beal. Okay, I don't think that's mm -hmm. going to happen. Uh, but a big piece like a Lowry could be more feasible um, depending on what we had to give up. So we'll go around. We'll start with DJ. Uh, what do you think about Lowry? Do you think he could come in and fit, you know, on the Sixers as another piece? Yeah, I actually think he would fit perfectly, um, mainly because of his off-ball skills, the fact that he can catch and shoot. You know what I mean? He can play. Like, I, I always think Ben needs a point guard on the floor with him, not because he shouldn't be handling the ball, but there's definitely times where I feel like you need a guy that can run a pick-and-roll from the top of the key. And I think he would fit perfectly because he can also slide over when Ben has the ball and, and be that catch and shoot three point threat. Um, I also think the Toronto Raptors are probably asking too much for him at 35 years old or, or almost, yeah, 35, going to be 36. And on the last year of his contract, it's probably taking this long because they're asking too much. And I don't think it's going to take a lot to get him, honestly, at his age. Um, he's performing well now, but nobody knows when he's going to, you know, fall off that cliff. And so teams are reluctant to give up a lot for it. All right. And what about Brock? What do you think about Kyle Larry? 
Yeah, I think Kyle Lowry is a needle mover, but there's a couple of things like obstacles in the way here. So he's on an expiring $30 million contract. For Toronto, it makes all the sense in the world to trade him. They've got two multi-contract guards that are producing more than him this season. And if the playoffs ended today, the Raptors wouldn't make it. They've lost nine of their last 10 games, one in nine in their previous 10. It makes all the sense in the world for Toronto to get what they can for Lowry while they can. For Philly, however, you have to match $30 million. How do you do that? Well, they have the $8.2 million trade exception, which means there's about $22 million left to make up. Philly would either have to get a third team involved or they have to make a bigger package with that 8.2 exception, and that would likely include Danny Green, who's making $15 million this season. I don't think Philly wants to trade Danny Green. I don't really think they want to trade anybody in their starting seven. In that first seven rotation, I don't think they want to trade anybody. So there's a few obstacles, but if you have an opportunity to cleanly trade for Kyle Lowry, you absolutely do it. DJ alluded to the catching off the uh, or the shooting off the catch rather in the past eight seasons. He's or, or yeah, past eight five of the past eight seasons, he shot 40% plus from beyond the arc off the catch. He has over 73 pointers made on open and wide open shots, which is four to six feet of space. That's more than Curry and Danny Green have. When he scores 20 plus points a night. He's doing it with at least three three-pointers a night. He's contributing from beyond the arc, which is super important. You don't need a floor spacer per se, but you need a guy when Joe gets doubled, when Tobias gets doubled, when they clear the lanes for Ben to drive. You need a guy that the players can kick to, and you can rely on to hit those three balls. So if Kyle Lowry's available, absolutely. That's not to mention he's a master manipulator of the two-man game. Most of his assists have gone to Chris Boucher. The reason the connection in the two-man game is huge that's probably two or three more buckets for Ben and Knight if he's a screener and a roller. And for Embiid, he sets a screen and just rolls right to the mid-range. Two or three more buckets for him. So if you have a guy like Lowry, you can make it work cleanly. Absolutely, he he moves the needle. Yeah, just to piggyback off what Brock and DJ said, <clears throat> I agree. And when we all talk about getting a pure point guard in here, you want someone more like Kyle Lowry, who, like you said, can play off the ball because Ben needs that player. So not only will Kyle Lowry set up the play for Ben Simmons on a two-man game and including Embiid, he also can get his own bucket. Um, I do agree. As much as much as Sixer fans kind of hate Danny and love Danny on an every other day basis, mm -hmm. he does garner much respect in that corner. When he's just sitting in that corner, he opens up the floor a lot for a guy like Joel mm -hmm. Embiid. And sometimes his game won't fit when uh, Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid ain't on the floor because then you, didn't, then you don't need a, a, a spacer for a guy like Tobias. But he still does so much without even scoring because he can be 0 for 3. But the defender's still going to respect that because he makes two in a row. Now he made six in a row. So just being there, I think a guy like Daryl Morey, who's calculated, sees that. And although you got 0 for 9, Danny, you might get 7 for 7, Danny. And that is respectable when you have Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons on the floor together. Two guys who really want to do their work. Down low, we know MB got the nice mid-range shot, and hopefully one day Ben will. But until that happens, you need all the floor spacers, which I do be I do believe Kyle Lowry can be a floor spacer as well, but I don't think they want to give up Danny to do that. Yeah, I, I like the points that you guys make. And another thing on top of that is that, for one, Kyle Lowry, I think, is a great locker room guy. You know, we had Danny Green, guy who understands the offense. I feel like Danny Green, I, I was going to talk about him in a little bit, but 
I feel like Danny Green understands his role. Now, he did get off to a bit of a rocky start. I think he's shooting 39% from three. Um, last night had, what, five steals and three blocks. Yep. I think I feel like Danny has some of these sneaky games that kind of go by. Um, but I feel like Danny, you either love him or you hate him. But overall, wherever he goes, he wins. And I think he is important to this team. Um, in terms of Kyle Lowry, I've been saying this for the last couple of weeks. I would love to hear what you guys think. But um, I said a lot depended on what happened with Toronto, right? Like Brock said, they've been on a terrible kind of losing pitfall here. And at this point, if you're the Toronto Raptors, why would you not want to trade Kyle Lowry, right? Why would you not want to get that expiring contract out, get some more draft compensation, and kind of just build for the future? I don't think Toronto is going to make a run this year, but I, I want to know what you guys think. Like, don't you think we have more leverage now than we did two weeks ago? Definitely. And Toronto was one of the hottest teams in ball last month. So the fact that they have that expiring contract, they're not going to re-sign Lowry, and Lowry probably wants $15 million a season. It's just not going to happen in Toronto. So you might as well get the return now while you can. And like I said, if the playoffs were to happen today, the season ends today, Toronto isn't making the playoffs. Regardless, if they were a top nine, top eight seed, they're not a championship team, in my opinion. With Kawhi Leonard, he elevates you to that next level. But Pascal Siakam, Norm Powell, FEV, Kyle Lowry, that's not enough firepower to keep up with Brooklyn or Philly to even make it out of the East, let alone win the finals. Yep. I agree. Great points. Let's get to a couple of these super chats coming in. Again, appreciate everybody in here. We got 330 combined across our channel. Shout out to everybody in here, guys. Hit the like for the squad up here. Be sure to subscribe. Philly Take with RB, Philly Talk Podcast, Brock Landis, and Run It Back Philly in the house. Um, Philly fans and SDs is better late than never. Much love and support. Really appreciate that. We got Seth coming with a $5 donation. Says love and watch all you guys. I'm an RB member, but I like to uh, sub like and sub to all you guys killing it in the community. Keep dropping y'all appreciate that Seth. Um, let's see. We got, uh, we got birds nation 302 coming in with a $5 donation says, yo, where is my shirt? I don't know who he's alluding to, but I don't <laughs> think it's me. Did he win the Instagram? He I, had a, I had a little Instagram caption contest. That might've been him that won the caption contest. Hold on. I don't DJ. Know, I, I don't know Flex if he's the talking shirt to me. real quick. Flex the shirt real quick. Let me see. Yes, sir. Yes, yes, sir. sir. Twenty twenty one. Screaming fire, Brett Brown, like yesterday. Mm -hmm. I love it. Yep. Life. You know how we feel. Hey, I don't want to hear anybody lifestyle. keep trying to tell me that coaching doesn't have an impact, man. You see where we are. First team to thirty wins in the East. If there's any Brett Brown supporters out there, show your faces now, um, or forever hold your peace, man. There's no more. There's no more argument to it. There's no none at all. Um, yeah, you have to be creative on the court with your with your players. I mean, you got to put them in the right spots. It's not. You can't. Yep. Throw a bunch of like a football team throwing eleven guys out there and having the punter throw the ball like you can know. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I don't want to get into last night too much, but I, I'm sorry if last year I don't think we win that game. Just putting it out there. No, I, I mean there's things on the surface and there's also the game, right? So when Philadelphia sees the Spurs maybe last year, and they're on the road, let's say they're without Ben or Joe, Brett Brown probably sees we're shorthanded. He gives them Back a prophetic speech. The Sixers come out and shoot 10, 12 more threes than they do at home, and they get killed. They lose by 10, 12 points. This season, there's accountability. So Doc's saying, I need you guys to do this. You got to come out, do your jobs. This is food. We're not going to play with it. That's on the surface. When you look at the X's and O's, it's night and day. I mean, he has guys literally determining their roles, going out and doing exactly what he's asking of them. RB, you alluded, you alluded to it a little bit with Danny Green. It's like you've got guys that understand what they're supposed to do. When that happens, they know where their shots are coming from. So, for example, on any given night, Dwight Howard, Joel Embiid, Tony Bradley, 
they all know what they're supposed to do. Put a body on someone and roll. If it's Embiid, obviously a little different. The offense runs through him. But regardless, my point still stands. And when you've got centers that understand that, then Tobias knows where his shots are coming from. Tyrese Maxey, Furkan Shake, they know how to navigate those screens, how much space they'll have, where the defense will be. So X's and O's on the surface. Doc and Brett Brown, it's night and day. It's not even close. Let me ask you guys this real quick. How y'all like that new Dwight Howard mid-range jump shot that he's trying to force in? <laughs> it's it's ugly. It's ugly, but it goes in. So if it goes in, I don't care. <laughs> Gotta hey, love I'll, it, right? I'll give Dwight credit, though. At least he's trying to shoot, right? Mm-hmm. Not trying to, you know, I'm not throwing shade at anybody. I'm not, you know, alluding to anything, but at least he's taking the shots, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's, the point. Well, that's the point. Why would Dwight Howard be shooting the ball? And not the guy we've been screaming at to shoot the ball for five years. <laughs> but it's, it's funny how Dwight does oh, it. He gets man. the ball. He looks around for a second. He's like, should I do it? Forget it. Let it, let it. Let look, it looks like a lot. Like if you guys have ever played pickup with a football player and known any football players that shoot hoops, it's exactly what it looks like. Like broad, buff as hell, like real weird form. Like it just, it looks mm-hmm. super unorthodox. It's too strong. But if it goes in, I don't, I don't care, honestly. I've been saying in my streams the past couple ones, like Dwight Howard was just meant to play in Philly. There's no other place mm-hmm. meant for Dwight Howard. We, you know, this guy gets a, a simple layup. He's going down the court laughing, talking to himself, mm-hmm. pumping himself on the chest. He's crazy, yeah. man. Another no, thing, nobody, I'll, add it, I'll no. add it real quickly. Like we talk about Daryl being very calculated. Dwight has the most double doubles off the bench of any sixer backup center in 23 plus seasons. It's Spencer Hawes, most spades, Matt Geiger. Dwight has more than all of them, and he's played less games. The most free throw attempts and highest field goal percentage of any Sixer backup center in the past 12 years. That didn't happen by accident. Daryl knew what he was doing. They brought Dwight here, and even better, it was for the vet minimum. So you you, you didn't have to you didn't have to break the bank. You got him for the cheapest price possible. Yeah, yeah and other, was, uh, honestly, like other cities have casual fans. The other cities don't notice and love players the way that Philly loves players. You know what I mean? Other mm-hmm. cities, they show up in the second quarter, they're eating popcorn, half with it. They might start paying attention in the third. They don't, like we see everything these players do and the fans let them know and that's why every player says that Philly's the best place to play. That's exactly why. Yep. Also because there's nothing to do in Philly. We don't <laughs> We got nothing. Yep, no doubt it. about it. And I would I would just add as a final touch that, you know, I, I think we're getting more value out of Dwight than for what we're paying him as compared to someone like Al Horford. But um, oh, that contract was just dreadful. But we got some bad omens, bro. We brought up Brett Brown and Al Horford in the first 20 minutes. So that's hey, a it, bad omen. it wouldn't be a Sixers roundtable without it, right? It wouldn't. But um, we're on the better times now. Sean coming in with a $5 donation. Thanks so much. Says, is Kyle Lowry an automatic starter if we keep our starters in a trade? Let's go over to Philly Mike. What do you think about this one? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I would bump Curry out. Not not saying that Danny Green's better than Curry, but Curry can do more on ball with the ball in his hand, which will help the second unit than Danny Green. Danny Green's really that run to the corner, awkward run to the corner, and stay there and keep defenders on you, opening up for Ben and, and Joel. So I would kick Curry out the lineup, and I would love to see what a Curry shake and someone else, Matisse then. Curry shake and Matisse can do. Um, in a second unit. Yep. Anyone else have anything to add? Because I, I mean, I think that Kyle Lowry uh, has to start. I've been preaching this since before the season. A backcourt of Shake Milton and Seth Curry. You saw Seth, whether you know he was with Dallas, Portland. Like he's made to be a six or seventh man. I feel like Curry comes off the bench, knows what he has to do, can handle the ball, can play off, and he just ignites, man. I, I think that's always yeah. been his kind of role for me. 
It's a and vertical I, I, upgrade. Go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead, DJ. I also think Danny Green looks worse sometimes than he actually is because we get in situations where we don't have a ball handler and he gets the ball in his hands with three seconds left in the shot clock and he can't do anything with it. You know what I mean? Right. Um, right. So, yeah, I, I think I wouldn't put Danny to the bench because I think Danny's a dog on defense. And I, and I like, you know, as much trash as I talk on the guy, double agent Danny and all that, um, I, he's a phenomenal defender. The blocks, the steals, the jump balls, everything. So, I'm playing him as many minutes as I can just because of his defense, especially if there's another ball handler on the floor. I was going to say it's a vertical upgrade. So I don't know if it's possible you could keep your starting lineup intact and also get Kyle Lowry, but in the hypothetical that you do, you then don't have to go out and make another trade for your bench because like you guys said, you add maybe 10 to 12 points a night from Danny Green and Seth Curry in the starting lineup to your bench, and there's an automatic boost. Now instead of 34 points a night, 40 points a night, you get 50, 55 and you're protecting and expanding leads when your starters aren't on the floor. So it makes everybody's life easier if they can get Kyle Lowry. Like I said, he would be the needle mover. Yep, I agree. And the the reason that I, I don't know if a Kyle Lowry trade, for example, would happen, I feel like, you know, if we are to acquire one of these big pieces, I think Danny Green's going to have to be the main component in it because of his contract and how it lines up. If you're not giving away Ben, Toby, or Joe, but I don't think we're going to do that at this point. Um, and that kind of brings me to my next thing. And I, I want to hear from everybody up on here and in the chat as well, guys, 330 still up in here across platforms, Philly take with RB Philly talk podcast, run it back Philly and Brock Landis. Be sure to like, and subscribe to all of us. Um, what are, you know, let's take a step back. What are the Sixers needs going into this deadline? If you're Dale Morey, you're looking over the next couple of days. We saw, for example, with the NFL trade deadline, right? Like there wasn't a lot of big splashes, this whole pandemic, everything going on. I think it's going to be more about role players. And I think if the Sixers, you know, just, I don't think they have to do too much, in my opinion. But I want to hear from you guys. I, I think we can really make this run this year. Um, but let's go around the table. We'll start with Brock this time. You know, what if, if there's one thing or two things, if you're Daryl Morey, you're going into this deadline thinking what? What do I have to do? There's a system in place. And you have to address the margins in that system. They're not going to alter Tobias's game. They're not going to alter Ben's game. And they're not going to alter Embiid's game. So you need to find a way to make the pieces to the puzzle fit without compromising or altering any of those three games. Now, with the second unit, too, Dwight isn't going anywhere, in my opinion, and Shake is probably not going anywhere either. So you need somebody to complement that. Is it a lack of three-point shooting? No. Is it a lack of defense? No. But what you need is more bench scoring. You need consistency off of the bench. You need another 12 to 14 points a game on every given night. You need a microwave scorer like Terrence Ross, who – no matter what the day of the week is, no matter how he feels, he's going to walk into a gym, hit the floor with the second unit, and get in a rhythm right away. He'll give you 12 points off the bench right away. That's why they call him the human torch. In the starting lineup, it's not a lack of shooting. It's not defense. You just need a more reliable catch and shooter from beyond the arc, a dead-eye shooter. I think Danny and Seth are great, and in terms of floor spacers, there's not many better than him. But the problem is if teams are going to sell, sell out to double Joe – if they're going to sell out to double Tobias or double Ben, you need to count on a shooter to splash those threes. That's how you create separation on the scoreboard. And if you're playing the Bucks, if you're playing the Lakers, and Seth Curry, Danny Green only give you two three, three-pointers, that's just not enough. So if you can somehow upgrade the three-point shooting in the starting lineup with keeping four or five of those players intact and getting a bench piece, I think the Sixers are straight. We'll go to Philly Mike next. What do you think? Yeah, I'm kind of on the same page. I want a, I want a guy who can create his own shot off the bench, whether that be a Terrence Ross, uh, whether that be a guy like Alex Burke who he had. Um, he's not going to where, where he's at. 
Um, a stretch four wouldn't wouldn't be a bad thing too because we put a lot on Tobias' plate when it comes to minutes. Um, because you really don't want Mike Scott in the game, and I don't know about you guys, but I see Doc Rivers keeping it down to like a uh, no more than a nine man rotation when it comes to the uh, playoffs. People are the only criticism I see against Doc Rivers is his all bench lineup that he be leaving yeah. in extra long sometimes. Sometimes he does leave them in long, but. I say, don't worry about that. That's in the regular season because you got to give these guys Tobias mm -hmm. and Ben Simmons, who's now yeah. playing even more without Joel Embiid, some time. When it gets to the playoffs, nine-man rotation. You always will have a starter in with that all-bench rotation, so I'm not worried about that. But a stretch four, um, what's that guy's name from Sacramento? I can never say his name. You can't that pronounce it, but I, I know RB don't like him. I know RB don't like him. He, he, mm -hmm. he's, he's like a Sarek. He, he's not, he's, he's not a starter. He's, he's a guy who can come off the bench and do something. <laughs> remember, remember when he chose Sacramento over Philly? I remember those kind of things. Those things sit uh, in my head, man. I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. Right. Yeah. The, I think the, uh, the main thing I want to see is a stretch four or five off the bench because I, when that bench, not just the bench unit, but when Joel Embiid is out of the game or not playing, there is two players on the floor that can't space the floor. And you saw it last night in overtime. You saw it against the Bucks in overtime. Ben Simmons and Dwight Howard on the floor together. I don't ever want to see it again in my life. Mm. In 2021, you cannot play basketball with only three guys that can shoot the three-pointer. You just can't do it. The, the defense just sits in the paint. 20 seconds, 30 seconds, referees just don't care anymore. They just hang out down there and nothing happens. Uh, for Ben Simmons to not shoot the ball, he needs four other guys around him to, to be able to shoot. That's the way I see it. I can't stand watching that offense. Yeah. And another thing I wanted to add on, you guys can let me know what you think. Um, I think another important thing is veteran experience. I've been talking about this a lot. You know, when a guy comes off the bench in the playoffs, I, you know, I'm not going to say Shake Milton is, is going to put up 10 a game. I'm not going to say he's going to put up three points a game and go one for 10 from the field. But what I will say is it's good to have guys off the bench that have been there, that have done it. For example, Dwight Howard won the championship last year. For example, um, you know, if, if you try to bring in a Furkan Korkmaz, I'm not, I'm not hating on Furkan, I promise. But look, you bring in Furkan, you bring in Shake. These guys don't have much playoff experience, and even, even more, you know, it kind of goes over our heads. At least me. Ben Simmons is still 24. Joel Embiid is just turned 27. Right. Tobias Harris doesn't have a ton of playoff experience. He didn't look that good last year. But guys like Danny Green, and that's why he's another reason that we can, you know, keep an important guy like that. I, I would love a guy like a George Hill who's been there, who's done it, right? He has the experience. Um, there's other guys out there, but a George Hill piece like that is important to me because he comes off the bench in the playoffs. He's not going to be phased by the moment. What do you guys think? I love it. I was going to say Patty Mills or George Hill because they both have eight-plus years' experience in the playoffs. So if you get if you get that veteran leadership, that's one thing. But if you get the quarterback of your offense that's been in the playoffs before, they could be calming. It's huge. I, I also go back to coaching. Like the Sixers have guys in their corner now that not only played ball professionally, played in the playoffs, but also if it's the fourth quarter, if it's playoff time, they're going to lock in. They're going to get everybody locked in and say, listen, this is baby food. Go, go, go get it. This is Milwaukee. You can go drop Giannis off. Like they have guys to instill confidence in them. And that's crucial. It's not Brett Brown delivering one of his Shakespeare-esque pre-game, post-game speeches that you got a decipher of code to understand. Like, these are real basketball geniuses in charge of things. So I'm really confident in this squad, and I think that 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 veteran leadership will be huge. From Dwight and Danny, it's probably enough. But if you could add more, it'd be awesome.
Hey, and real quick, now that, just to talk about Danny Green, uh, he's starting to be like the Robert Horry. Wherever he goes, yeah. he's just going to be that role player that helps him win a championship. Now, I know Robert Horry's big shot Bob did a lot more. I'm just putting in perspective that, man, Toronto, um, Spurs, Lakers, you know what I mean? He goes, something follows. So, you know, keep him around. Yeah, yes, I think sir. George Hill. I think George Hill is definitely an upgrade over um, at least Tyrese Maxey coming off the bench. You know what I mean? If you want a real championship team, you don't want to be. You, you don't want to have to be throwing a rookie out there on the floor like that uh, when you need ball handlers. And his experience and his and his three point shooting would definitely be a huge addition. Yeah, no doubt about it. I agree with everyone. And shout out to Philly fans and SD coming with a ten dollars super chat. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. it. Says now subscribe to all of you. Knew this would be awesome. Someone like JJ would be great. Keep putting out fire takes. You guys are the real deal. Much love to Philly fans and SD. I know a great channel member of mine. And uh, shout out to all the guys up here again. Philly Take with RB, Philly Talk Podcast, Running Back Philly and Brock Landis. Be sure to subscribe to all. We got 400 in the chat, guys, across wow. platforms. Hope you guys are enjoying the content. Let us know what you're thinking. And who's excited for the trade deadline, man? I, I saw someone up here talking about Buddy Heald. Uh, we just saw Buddy absolutely annihilate us, right? And um, just a quick yes or no, what would you guys think about Buddy? I know there was that whole thing over the offseason. I made a ton of videos about it. Um, people were commenting on his feed like Philly, Philly, Philly. Uh, would you guys, yeah. Do you guys think that would be a piece that would fit or at least be feasible to get? Because we know the Kings are going nowhere, right? Is water wet? <laughs> Yeah, I'll keep it simple. Water's wet just like Buddy Hill's jump shot. It's that simple. There you go. So yeah, I'm gonna, he's, he's, he's break not afraid to let it fly. Yeah, afraid to let it fly. The thing about Philadelphia is defensively, like they're such an anomaly compared to everybody else because they have Tobias who's six eight, Ben who's six ten, and Joe who's seven feet plus potentially on the court at all times. So you really just have to plug two players in there that could hold it down defensively. If you could get a guy like Buddy Heald where you can maybe mask his defense, but you can keep him on offense shooting six, seven, eight threes a night, maybe blowing teams out like transition threes from Ben, collapsing defenses, penetrating and kicking to Buddy Heald, running DHOs or, or, or double screens to get Buddy Heald open. Like they would be they would be shooting nukes from beyond the arc with <laughs> Buddy Heald. If they made that money work, bro, I'd be running down Broad Street naked tomorrow. Yeah, like, you're that's, absolutely that's right. All he you know how much better Buddy Heald would look in this system? Yeah, you're absolutely mm -hmm. right. He, the Under King's system is not a system, and Buddy Heald <laughs> looks brown the way that he all does. all over again. <laughs> yeah. You know, oh, man. It's my um, court. There you go. Buddy Heald would be great at Philly. Uh, this is a good point, and it, you know, I've been asking some people about it. Some people actually have the opinion, guys, that the Sixers don't need to do anything. They think we are set. They think our rotation's good. They think Shake's going to come off and light it off the bench. They think Furkan Korkmaz is the best shooter ever. Um, what do you guys – do you guys – let me ask you this. Do you think we at least make a move or two? Like, do you guys think we're going to stay put or at least try to do something? I, I don't see a way that we don't do anything. I think when we're all healthy, yes, we can accomplish anything. Um, you know, I can't do post-game podcast episodes and just come up here and be like, well, we have injured guys. See you later. You know, so I got to react to what I saw on the court. So I'm telling you all the things that I thought about what happened on the court. But obviously, with Seth Curry, Joel Embiid, it's a different story. So when everybody's healthy, I honestly think we could take, you know, we can put up a fight with anybody in a seven-game series. Do you think our bench is consistent enough right now? Would you trust these guys in a series against the Bucks, the Nets, someone like that? 
No, I would definitely love to bolster the bench, but uh, you know, you'd be banking on whether you get the fifty point bench or the or the ten point bench. You just right. you just have you would just have to roll with it. <laughs> yeah. But but that's what's good about a seven game series. I don't see the bench being inconsistent for, you know, four out of the seven games. I think we'll be able to get it done, especially when we come back to the Wells Fargo. So it would be nice to stay again. I don't want to take the number one seed over Joel Embiid's health because nothing is more important than that. But we don't lose in the Wells Fargo, so you can take three of them, possibly four. And like, and like DJ said, I think we can match up. Now, listen, I, I don't want to be a Nets hater, and if KD comes back healthy, they're going to be a problem on offense, but we do got the one thing that I can confidently say. Blake Griffin finally dunked one time in the last five years. You think he he felt real good about that dunk, too, because he was like, I know he was scared when he went up, but anyways, they got no one to stop, as Brock would say, the Undertaker. And with that being said, yeah. You just got to have consistent players around Joel Embiid, and he is the recipe to beat the Nets. But I don't see us getting – I think Carol Lowry is the biggest name. Other than that, I see us getting a role player. And then again, if you guys agree with me and the rotation is nine or eight in the playoffs, who do you think that even going to be? The thing with Philly, in my opinion – is that you just need a shooter right now, like a plug-and-play shooter. Like, you definitely need a 3 and D potentially for the starting lineup. You definitely need a primary shot creator, a facilitator, a stretch for us huge DJ. Like, with that Milwaukee game, I love Mike Scott. I love his personality. But Mike Scott shoots <laughs> wide-open threes. If Mike Scott makes two of those five wide-open threes in the Milwaukee game, it's a different story. So, with Philly, DJ is exactly right. Philly might, too. Like, they're so hard to match up with because you've got Joel Embiid and it's like you got to double team them every possession. And if you don't, it's a bucket or a foul, I'd say eight or nine times out of 10, which is ridiculous. Then if you double Ben, if you double Joe, you still got to worry about Tobias, a grown man bucket getter at 6'8, which is hard enough to match up with. And Ben Simmons, who's 6'10, running the offense, facilitating. So to match up with those three, it's almost impossible for every team in the league. Those five, those three with any two can compete with any team. But the problem is in the playoffs, when rotations get shortened, if you play Milwaukee, if you play the Lakers, maybe even Brooklyn, you need to protect and expand leads that those guys give you. If you don't have players capable of doing that, you can't create separation and you'll be kept in the game all game long. You'll get fatigued quicker. So you really need a guy that can step in and hit that three ball when teams double. If it's Bielitsa, if it's Hill, if it's Wayne Ellington, if it's Larry Nance, maybe as a backup stretch four. You just need somebody that you can plug and play with a bunch of different lineup combinations. Not one guy that's going to be handcuffed to two players or handcuffed to one grouping of players. Yeah, I like it. I think we're. I think it's really about building out the supporting cast. You know, we're not going to need these guys for 15, 20 minutes in the playoffs. Now you're going to need eight, 10 solid minutes. Got to come in and uh, get the job done. Uh, real quick, what do you guys think about Victor Oladipo? I don't see any way of it happening. I don't think the contract is going to work out um, at all because he's going to want an extension. Um, and I just don't see that happening. But any anybody got any thoughts? Yeah, if you could. Yeah, I mean, I don't see the contract working out either. But if you could make it work, I guess, without giving up too much, you know, he's definitely a combo guard that can give you scoring. Um, but, yeah, just a little bit impossible for me. And I, I how, how many games did he play when he was down in Houston? How many games is he going to play next year? Ever since that first ACL, it's like that dude's just been more off than on the court. Yeah. I mean, we, we we talked about Toronto being down bad, losing one or, or going one and nine in their last 10. Like Houston is down bad, down bad. Worse <laughs> yeah. than a lot of teams Houston I've seen in my lifetime. 
Exactly. Like that's 20 straight losses. You can maybe fleece Houston. I don't know what the asking price for Oladipo is though. So I can't really comment. Yeah. There you go. Uh, shout out to Philly Shad coming in with a $20 Damn. donation. Shad, thank you so much. Appreciate it, my guy. He says, you guys are killing the game. Subscribe to all of you for a while. And Brock, I just subscribed. Great supporter here. Appreciate says, any buyout options for the Sixers? Well, it's good that you subscribed to Brock because I believe he did a video on this. Uh, I'm going to defer to him. I'm going to defer to my guy. Yeah, so before Atlanta got hot and they've been on this winning streak and they've jumped to the four seed, I believe, I thought Tony Snell was going to be made available. And this is a guy who's on a one-year $12 million contract. And you might know Tony Snell for the memes, zeros, all to the bottom, minutes, points, square, field goals, <laughs> everything. But Tony Snell's got the strap. Like, he's trained to kill from three-point range. 80-plus three-pointers on at least 40% shooting in each of the past four seasons. That's something only 35 other players can say they did on a yearly basis. This season, he's shooting close to 60% from three, and he's 6'7". So he's a more reliable cork my shooting. I like him if Atlanta buys him out $12 million. Not sure if it's going to happen. But Wayne Ellington is the guy right now that I'd keep an eye on. There's J.J. Reddit potentially in New Orleans. But Wayne Ellington has the burner from deep. He's one of the best three-point shooters in the league. He can do it off the dribble. He can do it in midair. He can do it running. He can do any type of acrobatic three there is and make it with a pretty good clip. So I think Wayne Ellington in Detroit, they don't really have a direction, could potentially get bought out. And if he's made available, at least got to jump at that opportunity. He's also a kid that grew up close to Philadelphia. So bringing him back to Philly, putting him in a multitude of different lineups will be crucial for Philly. Yeah, I think that I think the buyout market is going to be pretty active, um, especially, like I said, with the whole pandemic and everything. I think there are going to be more options than usual. Um, appreciate that, Shad. Uh, shout out to Superhero talking about Matisse Thibel playing closer to 20 minutes a game. Uh, before we kind of hop into like a quick round of like, you know, who we want, like who are our top guys, I want to ask you guys thoughts on this Matisse Thibel. I've been saying this for about a couple weeks, maybe a month now. I'm not trading Matisse Thibel. I don't care what it comes down to. Um, the kid is the best young defender I may have ever seen. Um, he sees plays four plays before they happen. I think he'll be crucial in a series against the big juggernauts. Um, and I'll defer. We'll start with DJ. What do you think about Thibel? Yeah, no, he's off the table for me, too. I, I just can't. The dude is just ridiculous. I don't remember in all of my years watching basketball being so entertained by somebody playing defense. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And on-ball defense, not like big-time blocks, even though he does get blocks. But, I, you know, back in my day, Dikembe Mutombo and those guys. But I'm talking on-ball defense. That dude is so much fun to watch. You can see the player get frustrated. You can just see the game change. And he, and he plucks the ball so easily. He makes it look so easy, reaching from behind, just... It's just like a gift that that kid has, and his offensive game is going to come around. Um, who who did he almost dunk on the other night? And he, he did like an up and under 360, and I thought he was just going to hammer on him. When he finally gets that, like, I'm going to slam this ball in this dude's face kind of mentality, he's going to be like top 10 sports center highlight dunk, man. I, that kid can jump through the roof. He can play crazy defense. No, I'm not, I'm not touching Matisse Thibel. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, man, I agree. Um, he's just a terror on the wing. And then when you combine him with a guy like Ben Simmons who can play down low, he can play on the block in defense, and just them two as a tandem, it, it's scary. It's scary. Um, and, again, I'm not expecting him to take the big leap on the offensive side this year, but he's young. 
And, and, and it's going to come. It's going to come, especially once he sees Ben Simmons start to do it. You know, Joel Embiid is, is going to, you know, grow into more of a mentor role. We know he likes to just all the shenanigans on and off the court, which I love. He's the greatest troll. I love it. I love it. But I just think, you know, guys like Dwight and as we get more of them guys like Danny Green, Matisse is going to find his role on the offensive side. You know, even if he can get his three points up to close to, you know, high 35 plus percent, that will be crucial. Um, but Matisse is a guy that you, there's nobody that comes in, like you said, best young defender I've seen. And as the NBA goes away from defense, for him to grow up with this mindset, you know what I mean? Coming into the league just not a little bit ago, it's rare. We might not ever see a guy come in We as we go. It's going to be more Curry's and Trey Young's and these little guys who just want to jack them. You know what I mean? You're not going to see a Matisse. So, again, look at the guys like uh, – uh, Ray John Rondo learn how to shoot. Bruce Bowen learn how to shoot. Guys who came in not shooting learn how to shoot. Think it's easy to learn how to shoot than to play defense because defense is with the heart and it's just hustle. You can't be taught that. You just got it or you don't. Yeah, and I would add that Matisse is starting to take more too, which I'm really liking. Yeah, I don't care if the guy goes one for five. He's taking more. That one he hit last night was huge in, in a big time moment. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I I want to see Matisse keep doing that. Did um, you see what? Did you say once he sees Ben Simmons do it? I had to throw that in there. I had to throw that in there. Yeah. So you still have hope? <laughs> no, I don't. All right. I was just. I wanted to see said, if it triggered you. <laughs> That's it. I heard, <laughs> like I said, I, like like I say all the time, I will take him for what he is. Yeah, uh, yeah. Big done, fast passer guy. You know, but I still watch the game, and I'm like, why won't you shoot the ball? I can't figure it out. But you know, whatever. So I, I heard two things I really liked. Matisse sees plays four plays before they happen. And RB, you said one of the best defensive players you've ever seen. You guys know I'm a numbers guy, so I'll confirm it. In 2018, Matisse had 90-plus steals and 40-plus blocks and under 1,300 minutes played. He was the only player in the past 23-plus years to do that. Now this season, 60-plus steals, 35-plus blocks, under 700 minutes. The only player in the past 23-plus seasons to do that. Defensively, he's literally a generational talent. On offense, does he have upside? Well, he's shooting close to 40% on threes in his past 15 games. If he can do that consistently, it changes everything. He becomes a starter in a year or two. And with that defense, the Sixers would just be ridiculous. Like they 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 would be locking, they already are locking things down. But if Matisse Thibault's plugged into that starting lineup with a 40% three ball, pray for him. Pray for him. <laughs> I love it. We're we're top we're we're fourth in defensive uh, uh, efficiency rating, right? As a team, probably some. I think they're they might be second, like fourth quarter defensive rating, fourth altogether, something like that. Yeah, we're definitely top five. I know that. Um, but they 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 do lead the NBA in blocks. I think at least in the fourth quarter. I, I don't know about altogether, but yeah, I feel um, like we have these these moments where we just come in and and you know whether it's a quarter, two quarters, whether it's the first half against Milwaukee, like. We're just like they like nobody can phase us. We're just everywhere. We're everywhere. And um, you know, a guy like Giannis can't get it going against us. Um, but it's crazy, man. Shout out to everybody in here, man. We got 415 up in the chat, guys. Live on three channels. Be sure to check out Philly Take with RB, Philly Talk Podcast, Bro uh Brock Landis, and Run It Back Philly. Now we're gonna get to kind of a rapid round. I want to go around, I want everyone to give maybe like you know, a couple guys that they're looking at. What were your top targets be? Um, I, I'll start off. I already said George Hill earlier. That's a guy I really like. Since we talked about the Pistons and Wayne Ellington already, another guy I would actually really like 
I would either say Larry Nance Jr. I think he could be a guy who could play the four or the five, defend multiple positions. Um, and I also like Eric Gordon from the Rockets. That would be hard to kind of work out the, the contract. But if he's a guy that you can maybe restructure or he'll be here for a couple more years, I wouldn't mind a vet like Eric Gordon coming off, uh, knocking down threes off the bench. And let us know in the chat, guys, who are your top targets at the trade deadline? We'll put some of them up on the screen. But we'll go over to uh, we'll go to Mike. Um, any guys you're looking at? Yeah, I'm just going to rock with uh, Wayne Allenton, definitely a sniper. Love the way he'll be coming off of Joel Embiid screens, just raining them constantly. And if they step up, well, then you got Joel one-on-one. So it'll just be too easy, two-man game. Um, especially the way the Sixers like to do them them double-triple picks. Wayne Allenton will just hurry. He, he will make the guard who's playing him tired. So I'll go Wayne Allenton, Bielisa. I know RB don't like him. I still like him as that four, helping out for uh, Tobias Harris. And I'm going to go with... Um, Terrence Ross just being an absolute dog off the bench. I know it would, I don't know how he would work with Shake combined, you know, because they're both that guy who has the ball off the two man pick and roll. So one of them would have to change. Would it be Shake? Would it be Ross? But I, they're my top three. Yeah, if uh, if uh, the Magic turn into sellers because they just announced uh, what Aaron Gordon they they're allowing him to request a trade or something like that, right? Yep. I would even take Evan Fournier. You know what I mean? Uh, that's a guy that I don't think many people throw his name out there. That's a guy that averages 18 points a game, veteran point guard uh, that can shoot. All I'm really looking for is either a stretch four or five and a backup point guard that can shoot that has more experience than the guys that we're rocking with right now just so you can maybe trust them more in the playoffs. A couple of names thrown out already. I really like Terrence Ross. Evan Fournier is cheaper than Terrence Ross. So like DJ said, Orlando's buyers, keep an eye on them. Larry Nance Jr., um, but I'm going to I'm going to raise you guys a few different names. Laurie Markkinen from Chicago is a stretch four. I don't know if he's attainable, but I mean, you saw him light up Philadelphia. I think he had seven threes and didn't miss any of them when the Sixers last played the Bulls. So if you can add a guy with that height defensively, great, but offensively a floor spacer, you can play him with Ben Simmons, and just run teams off the floor. So there's Laurie Markkinen. And I'll also say Lonzo Ball because I haven't seen his name too much in the chat and he hasn't been named. Now, he's a little more ball dominant, which might be tricky playing with Ben and Embiid. But he can shoot the three ball. And it's weird to say, but since college, he's really honed in on that three ball. He's become a legitimate three-point shooter, a catch-and-shooter, a floor spacer, and as a passer, just as good of a facilitator as any point in the league. So if you pair that with Ben Simmons, it's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of running and gunning. And those are two names I'd also keep an eye on if they're attainable. Yeah, and and then to add on Lonzo Ball, he can also defend multiple positions. Yeah. And I love the fact that um, I I just like how his game is growing. And as long as his dad isn't attached to that deal, oh, I'll take dude. him any day. No, yeah, Levar, I don't want any Levar drama in Philly. No, thank you. Yeah. I think um, we just said the other day that Levar's done talking, and then a quote came out like the <laughs> next day, and he yeah, said that, Lonzo hates New Orleans. Yeah, I'm I like, saw, oh, yeah, there he is. There it is. That's yep. a shame for hey, hey, for LaMelo, man. Prayers up for LaMelo. Yeah. That's tough because it, it seemed like he had that rookie of the year lock. Yeah, definitely. And um, we got Nick coming in here. It says Patty Mills. Another name I, I would put out there to you guys. Don't know how you feel about him, but Rudy Gay. I would I would definitely entertain a package deal with Patty Mills, Rudy Gay, potentially. The Spurs are, I think they're in the playoff race, but they're not going anywhere. Um, there's going to be a lot of sellers, though. Um, let's see. We got a uh, Norman Powell. Patty Mills and Patty Mills and, and Rudy Gay are names to me, but uh, the last time I watched the Spurs play, uh, I'm 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 over those they guys. Got, I think they're <laughs> they, they wiped the floor. They they wiped the floor. I think those guys are done. 
Yeah. Well, you got You see, DJ, you got to under. You got to understand the rule. Only X Sixers are the ones that go off against us. You know, Nerlens Noel, <laughs> Alec Burks, Thaddeus Young. You know what I mean? So uh, somebody said in the comments they want Thaddeus Young and they want Mike Muscala. They want all of everybody <laughs> that's played for the Sixers before, whether they're good or not. They want them back <laughs> on the team. Want. Hey, they 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 paid their due on the bad sixer team. Let them let them ride the hot. Yeah, one. exactly. <laughs> Leave them in the past. Right. Although, I, I see Ish Smith. I see Ish Smith. That could be that could be pretty good for Philadelphia. That's the only. Uh, that's one guy that I would. That's like. an ex sixer that I, I I don't care if Ish Smith is fifty years old. I, that dude's. I love that guy. <laughs> he's, he's he's tough. I'll, I'll make everyone mad on the panel in the chat, guys. I would take back TJ McConnell in a heartbeat. I'm oh sorry. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the only – I might be the only guy that hates that – I mean, that loves <laughs> TJ McConnell. Uh, give me give me eight steals in the first half. Uh, TJ McConnell will hustle every day of the week. I'm not saying he's going to play in the playoffs, but I would take him back any day of the week. The funny I thing love is, his. I love his scrappiness. I love his scrappiness. That's, that's you know, what the I fact love. That he's, the fact that he survived in the league for this long with absolutely no basketball skills whatsoever or any physical attributes at all is mind blowing. He's literally the size and the skill of the guy down the down the street right here from my house. You know what I mean? So the BC. fact that he's, I got to give him props. Listen, it's funny, but I feel like TJ would feast in Doc's system, like with high <laughs> ball screens and. Just throwing Dwight or Tony Bradley in the way and making TJ navigate around him. Like he would probably feast, but me personally, it would break my heart to watch any more TJ McConnell basketball in a Philly Philly Sixers uniform. And he's a kink in the in he's a kink in the hose. When you're swinging the ball around and it gets to TJ, the play is done. He won't shoot he, he it. He can't either. go anywhere with it. It's over. I mean, who are you, who are you gonna put him on? You, you, you put him on the kid that sits under the basket and comes and mops the floor. When they're sweat under the basket, that's who. He's yeah, yeah, he definitely can't defend it. Hey, yeah. that is true. But number one to respond to DJ, what I'll say is at least TJ will shoot this little fifteen foot shot. All right, and thirty percent of the time it'll go in. All right, you want guys to shoot uh, DJ? TJ's going to shoot it. All right, from 15. no, he won't. That's it. No, I'm not talking about from fifteen. When you when the whole <laughs> offense is Joel kicking it out and swinging swinging around the top, TJ can't can't hang. He has to take his little three little miniature dribbles and get to the mid range and do his little. Oh man, yeah, I'm just poking fun, man. But I, look, I love the guy's heart. Um, just throwing around some fun. But uh, yeah, look, we got Thaddeus Young in the chat. We got uh two top two Harrison Barnes and JJ Redick. I'm out on Harrison Barnes. I'm sorry, it's just not happening for me. Keep Harrison Barnes as far away from a Philadelphia <laughs> basketball team as possible. That's a lot of money to take <laughs> on and a lot of bad basketball to watch. So JJ, okay, three point shooter, get him for cheap. But Harrison Barnes, absolutely not. Here's one for Brock. I know it's not going to happen, but I dreamed Carmelo with a Sixers jersey. Any comments, Brock? I dreamed it too. I dreamed it a lot. And a lot of teams in the league passed on Carmelo when they had a good opportunity yeah. to. I'll make a yeah. bold statement here that people might not like, but they've got a baby mellow on their team right now. I'd argue that Tobias is a poor man's prime Carmelo Anthony. And right now, Carmelo Anthony is a poor man's prime Tobias. So, I'm taking what they got, and, and and I like the grown man's game straight out of New York. Yep, it's that old, it's that old mid range back you down, you know. The one thing like about that. Billy, like like that Carmelo, not Carmelo, that Tobias has really conveyed, and sometimes Ben and B two, is that they've kind of embraced this bully role, like they've embraced the fact that they want to bully the hell out of the other team. There's no friends, there's no mercy. Tobias is sizing up his opponent. If the dude's younger than 26 years old or two inches shorter, he's looking at him like dog food. If Ben Simmons sees the same, anybody younger 
or shorter than him. It's sweet baby Ray's hot chicken or, or Joel and B too. Like he's looking at anybody he's going to be. Rudy Gobert and waiting for DJ to get. Yeah, and, and then these guys are just like, we're gonna, we're gonna bully you. Shake's doing it a little bit. Dwight's doing it. So they've really embraced this role as kind of the villains of the East. And listen, that Milwaukee game, it was brutal because there is a big lead blown, and you really got to close that game out. They ran out of gas, but I love that potential matchup. Like there's, there's going to be some animosity there, and I don't think Giannis could have done anything better and take a seat on the Wells Fargo Center after he dropped the Sixers off because I know yeah. Embiid's plotting. Like, I know I know Embiid sat back, and, and he saw that, and he's going to go avenge his boys. And it's corny because if we played the Bucs without Giannis, would we be out there sitting on the court? We'd be like, no, we played the Bucs without Giannis. Mm-hmm. doesn't make any <laughs> yeah. sense. Yeah, uh, that, that was just stupid. I know – look, I, I, I tweeted this out. I said, Joel Embiid, <laughs> just, just remember, after game six, second round of the playoffs, Sixers-Bucks – we're going to wipe them off Milwaukee's floor, and Joel's going to come out to a press conference and say, well, you know, aren't we allowed to have fun? I see it coming. I see it coming. He's going the to be only petty. problem with that is that you're putting a lot of stock in Milwaukee making it past the first round. That's also they, a fair they point. They a pretty bad playoff history under Coach Mike. So, listen, both teams got to make it there. But if they do, I want I want Milwaukee. I used yeah, to want yeah. Boston. <laughs> That's exactly how I am now. I don't care about Boston. Yeah, we don't care about Boston. Yeah. I, want I want Boston to be good. So we could destroy him after, exactly. after what he right. does. But now just like, it's over. Yeah. Milwaukee's my new team I want. Shout out to Sean coming in with a $5 donation. Probably the best comment I've seen all night. It says, hashtag free Tony Roten. <laughs> we're, we're digging <laughs> deep into the roots here. Deep. He's, deep. he's, uh, he's, he's free right now. He's just not good enough to be in the NBA. That's all. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, so – um. I saw someone – I just had the comment up. Someone said Robert Covington. I don't know how you guys feel. Uh, please, no. I, uh, I've seen too much of Robert Covington. No, leave, thank you. Leave the ex-Sixers alone. <laughs> leave them alone. I get enough – every time Danny Every time Danny Green has to dribble the ball, I, it's it's Robert Covington, 100%. He, knows, he does not know where to go. He dribbles it off his foot out of bounds or he jumps into three guys and does a 360. It's No, I don't want two of those guys. Yeah, but but like you said, uh, DJ, to his credit, they always give him the ball with four seconds on the shot clock. No, you're right. <laughs> you're right. And he's in the corner, right. and he's like, y'all really want me to do this? Like, he can't do that. He, His teardrop is just like, you should just let it be a turnover. He beat the Knicks with it last night, though. So, so Yeah, so he did. He did. Crazy he a huge floater and, and a couple contested threes that were just ridiculous. Unbelievable. Crazy. Mm-hmm. And uh, shout out to Irv Train who says we'll prefer an upgrade at the four for the bench, someone who can score down low, help on the boards. And I wanted to ask you guys one more name that popped into my head: Boogie Cousins. I know, I know what Brock's going to say. Um, I look. I said two weeks ago, why not give Boogie a chance, right? Why not when Dwight kind of fell into this? I don't know. Dwight was in like a month stretch where it was just like, what? Dwight can't even put the ball in the hoop. It's like, why are you dribbling out here, getting plucked? But Dwight Howard stepped it up recently. I don't. I don't know if we need another center off the bench, but I, I would love to hear your guys' thoughts on it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel. Like, it is. What it is. I mean, listen. I love Boogie. That's one of my favorite players to ever touch the floor. But at this point, it just doesn't make sense. Like right. you've got Dwight playing incredible off the bench. Tony Bradley, fundamentally sound. He's doing the job when his name is called upon. And Boogie can't play the four. He, he can't play next to Dwight. If you put him on the floor with Dwight Howard, Ben Simmons, 
is going to be carnage and, and, and not in favor of Philadelphia. So I love Boogie. It's a pipe dream. But at this point in his career, I just think Dwight and, and Tony Bradley give you more right now. Yeah. Um, Marky says about Danny Green, he turned into James Harden in overtime last night. There you yeah, go. He did. Good. Uh, bags and everything. Good comparison. Give me Hill marking it. But yeah, man. Um, yeah, so James and James Harden wasn't James Harden last night. Yeah, he wasn't. Um, there was a lot going on last night. Uh, LaMelo got hurt. James Harden apparently had like some little injury. Uh, the Nets can't seem to top us. I'll tell you that. Every time the Nets win, we win. And every time they lose, we lose as well. Um, so we're staying atop the East, man. And, and I, one thing I want to put out there, and anyone else can comment on this, I think Doc needs to be given more credit, man. I think he should be in the running for the coach of the year, at least top three, maybe the top right now. I don't feel like he's getting enough attention. But what he's done with this team uh, is insurmountable right now in my eyes. He shouldn't be in the running. He should be the coach of the year. The thing about Doc is he took this Sixers team that had no semblance of an offense, and he gave them one of the most effective systems in the entire league. And we talked about it earlier a little bit, but that role definition is so crucial. You've got guys that understand exactly what they're supposed to do and where their shots are coming from. As a basketball player, when you show up to the gym, and you know where your shots are coming from, it makes the game so much easier. So they've got an offense that can space the floor. They're one of the best pick-and-roll teams in the NBA this season compared to bottom three in each season since 2015. Defensively, they're locking <laughs> down. So Doc has been crucial. But I give credit to everyone on that staff. Sam Cassell for the player development. Dan Burke and Popeye Jones for paying attention to the defense. Dave Yeager for constructing the defense. If you notice, you look at the sideline, there's always That's someone totally. coaching. Compared to last year, maybe not so much. Brett Brown sitting on the bench, maybe content. We're, we're, we're roasting Brett Brown a lot, man. That's that's a tough look for him. But this year, if you watch the bench, there's always do. someone coaching, always someone giving game, and that's super important. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And uh, shout out to everybody. We still got 420 up uh, across our three channels up here, guys. Philly Take with RB, Philly Talk Podcast, Running Back Philly, Brock Landis. Be sure to like and sub to all of us on YouTube. Uh, you already know what it is, man. Talking trade deadline stuff. Probably be on here for a few more minutes. Um, I got a question I want to ask these guys, but if anyone else has any questions, leave them in the chat. Guys, I, I can't avoid this anymore. I keep getting ads on Twitter, mentions about this. Who would win in a Philly basketball YouTuber tournament? So we just got to talk about it for a second. I heard DJ's getting ready to throw up a highlight clip. Um, yeah, oh, it's, 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 it's on there. I haven't, touched, I haven't touched the ball. I haven't touched the ball for five months probably. Actually, probably since coronavirus started, I probably haven't touched the ball. And I just went out today in some running shoes, didn't stretch or anything, got some shots up. I'm going to cut out all the missed shots so it's just all the makes. And I'm so going to put, like, what, you know, what, I don't know, some music what, what, or something. One hour-long video is going to be, what, like 30 seconds? <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, I think I shot 40%. There you go. There you go. Hey, that's above league average. Um, so what you're saying <laughs> is you could shoot. You, you could shoot 40% on a team, right? What else are you bringing to the table? A wide open, absolutely. <laughs> uh, not wide open, people, no, because I'm 5'10". We got to get people in the comments to let us know. Like, what are we doing here? One-on-one, -on -one, King of the Hill, 21, 2 on right. two. Let, let me just say this. Like, look, for all the Eagles content I put up, you know what I mean? I didn't, I didn't touch football in high school. I played basketball until my junior year, tore my ACL. And then, yeah. you know, with the other shenanigans you do at 17, 18 years old, after rehabbing and the, the amount of practice you got to do every single day, we practice an Eastern area high school football. 
you got to practice on the weekends too. So I said, senior year, I'm all about some other stuff. Let me cut it out. But I didn't go back. I regret it. But I was pretty nice. Like I said, I played varsity in 10th grade. So that's all I'm going to say. But I'm fat now. I'm 30. And I don't play on the regular because I got three kids. So it's a little different. But that's just where I'm coming from, at least. Brock, tell us about your game. Come on. Let's hear it. I mean, listen, they're kind of talking about it in the comments already. You know what's <laughs> up. No, no, no cocky shit, but <laughs> I got the post game on lock. I promise you. I'm 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 out hooping. I have an apartment. I'm taking now. charges all day. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold up though. Remember when Brock made the comment that you ever play with a football player? <laughs> yeah, they were saying that's me. They were saying that is me. That is yeah, me. This is me against Brock. This is me against Brock. DJ would, DJ would love playing me because he can take all of his Ben Simmons hatred and anger out on me because I kind of play in a very similar way. I get out and I probably play two or three times a week over in the courts uh, down in my apartment in North Philadelphia. But, I mean, at the end of the day, you know what's going to happen. I'm going to post, I'm going to drive, and I'm going to get my buckets there. But if you make me shoot, if you give me space and you make me shoot, if I don't have it that day, it's a wrap. I'm, I'm not winning because I can't rely on my jump shot I got to rely on bullying you like a football player would. So if I got my jump shot that day, I guarantee it's a wrap for you guys. But if I don't hit the jump shot, if I'm not making it, you guys, I guarantee it's a wrap. You guys are beating me. There you go. And uh, about me, um, I am 6'2". <laughs> to confirm the, the reports, the sources have been coming to me. Are you 6'2"? Are you 6'3"? Are you 5'10"? No, I am 6'2". Uh, this, is, this is DJ Garnbrock in the post. This is me. Time out. <laughs> Time out. Get me off the court, coach. I'm, I'm not guarding him in the post. Um, I can't, I'm a, I'd am say I'm a pretty good defender. That's where my game comes in. This is where my game comes in, too. Because as soon as you get on me in the post, I'm talking in your ear. I'm going to make you mad. I'm going to make you double dribble. Um, I'm getting in someone's head. Uh, and that, we got to make game. this happen, bro. We got to make this happen. I'm getting in someone's head. I'm talking the most you smack do. at the end of the game. I'm shaking your hand. Good game. But uh, that's what I'm doing, and I'm a three and D player. My handles C plus, my shot B minus, A A A A minus on a good day, on a good. Like Brock said, I'm on or I'm off. First day of spring was yesterday, I think. I got my first vax. I think I get my second soon. If everybody's cool with it, if everybody gets vaxxed and everybody's all right with going out and playing or whatever, we got to make it happen. Like we got to give the people what they want. We got to make it happen. Yes, sir. Oscar says something tells me DJ shoots like Furcon. That's great. <laughs> no, oh, I actually shoot like my form actually looks like Tobias Harris, kind of just real square right on the forehead. Smooth. You know what I mean? Real, real straight up quick. Furcon's really like over the top of his head, like yeah. big release. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta love it. Uh, and Lewis- listen, I'm probably the shortest. I played point guard, so my handles is my handles is pretty darn good. I'm not going to toot my own home, but I'm only 5'11". Hey, so, I would I'm say the shortest. I'm the shortest. How tall are you? I'm like five nine, bro. I'm the shortest. No oh, doubt. Like, you, right. you, you're a little big bully. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm packing a lot of muscle in a little frame. Yeah, you put you put the four of us together. We're running a pretty good small ball lineup. We'll come we off the bench. DJ, what are you? What, how tall are you? Our center. Five, I'm ten. a small ball center. There you go. Uh, they they one time I got called a unicorn. So there you go. All right. Uh, shout hey, out to. Nah, six two, six two is tall for for regular pickup ball. You know, you're you play yeah. baseball, right? RB, you said though when I did play were... baseball. That is that is confirmed. That's what I thought. Um, yeah. shout out to Lewis in here with a five dollar donation. Says Bradley Beal in exchange for Ben right now. Would you guys do it, DJ? You go first. <laughs> 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 no, 
Then we'll go to. See, Brock. this is gonna this is gonna prove that it's not just random hate. No, I would not do it. Earlier in the season, what I was seeing earlier in the season, and I was so just didn't know what this team exactly was yet. I guess you know what I mean. But right now, the things that he brings to the team, def- even just defensively, and we can get scoring from all all over the other place. Um, no, I wouldn't do it because I don't think Bradley Beal helps the team that much just with scoring and not being able to play on the other end of the floor. I just wish Ben Simmons was as good as he should be offensively. That's it. That's what that's what gets me. I'll never be able to handle it. And I've never met, and none of you guys have ever met, and nobody's ever met, a basketball player that is scared to death to shoot the ball. Never seen it before. You'll never see it again. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. Especially, especially but no, I wouldn't. Uh, but no, I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't either. Right now, I'm not messing with this core. I'm definitely no. not. There, there, there's no chance. I mean, Ben's 24 years old. People forget hindsight is 2020, and I think a lot of people might also be too nearsighted. Like you got to think bigger picture. Ben's mm-hmm. 24. Maybe he gets the right development. Somebody taps into his potential a little more. It's a different ball game. And if you've got Doc. If you've got an NBA employed coach for two plus decades and Sam Cassell, former NBA player and, and Kevin Durant and, El, and LeBron speaking so highly of Ben, that's all you got to know. The real ones know if you can hoop, you can hoop. Ben's one of those dudes defensively facilitating in terms of offense, posting up, bullying guys, getting to the rack. There's very few better than him at doing that. So me personally, uh, it's a very short list of guys I would trade Ben Simmons for. Yep. No, I have nothing to add to that. I completely agree. Uh, shout out to Black Goliath coming with a $20 donation. Says salute to all brethren on the panel. Great commentary on all Philly sports. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Um, with that being said, oh, and shout out to Marky coming in with a $20 donation. Says, Thank you so much. He says, make this 1v1 tournament happen. I honestly don't know who would win, but I'm, but it would be pure entertainment and i'm pulling up to drop someone off we might like as well that. live stream it to be honest we might like as well that. have a whole live stream to be honest philly sports That's youtuber pull it up you know what i mean 1v1 That's tournament cool. two v- i don't care i'm here to have fun. David I, just like, I like David the fact C. that nobody's ducking smoke like everybody's right. about that we're all good like we're gonna show up and try to back our talk up nobody's mm-hmm. nobody's oh, afraid yeah. nobody's I talking mean, up the neck. like we're we're we all listen, on the smoke. i'm not gonna lie to you guys i i, I wish i was 25 because I was pulling up from half court. You know what I mean? I was legitimately raining all day, every day, all summer long. I just lost a lot of speed and athleticism. I'm, I'm almost 35. Yeah, but you, you know you've I mean? got That's that the grown man strength. still man. got the shot, though. You've got the grown man strength. I still got the strength. shot. See, yeah, I've, I was never the fastest long term, but my lateral quickness was good. And, and with me being 30 and a little bit heavier now, it's still I got that. I'm going to be that Paul Pierce. Looking like I'm going in slow motion, but sure. with the hezzy and whatnot, it'll get it done. It'll get it done. Yeah, my, I'm my also, time, go ahead. Go ahead. Now, nah, I was just going to say, like, I'm not the fastest either, but I, I have I definitely have IQ and it comes in handy for sure. My NBA David comp- C said, okay, David C said, if Simmons can't shoot now, he won't be able to shoot in the future. He's not a rookie. And I listen, it does not take five years to shoot the ball. It doesn't. And what's it going to I don't understand. What's it going to take five more? Was he going to like, OK, said. he's on the last. I just want to know when we got to give, we got to give the people what they want and do a Ben Simmons one-on-one debate. <laughs> we got to, I'm, get I'm down. I'm down, man. I'm but down. See, but see, I just I, don't. Eastwood, I, I agree with you. I'm more on the 
again, I don't think he's going to shoot, and I'm not going to hold my breath. I just like when he's attacking. Like I said, if you can give me 15 shots a game, it could be all hook shots. It could be all at the rim. I don't care at this point. Just do it. I, I really don't like when Ben Simmons takes like six shots or seven shots a game. That's when I get mad. I don't care if they're really, well, I care if they're going in and for losing, but at the end of the day, I just want to see the volume because I, I know he can do it. Whether the volume comes in the paint or out the paint, which I know it's not going to happen. I just want to see the volume because he's that dude. He's that dude. He's supposed to be that dude. And like, listen, I'm, all, his talent is unbelievable. His, his, just his size and speed and athleticism and, and vision and all that. It's, it's once in a lifetime. You just got to put the right players on the floor if he's not going to shoot. I don't want to see the Bucks in the playoffs. I don't want to see probably the Knicks in the playoffs if Ben Simmons has the ball at the top of the key. You can't do anything. See, here's my thing with Ben. I think he can shoot. Like, I think he has a jump shot in the arsenal. I seriously think he does. And he shows he can it. Shoot. He, he shows it in these training camp videos and these summer league runs. Oh, when three game, seconds, left. seconds left. So <laughs> that's even I, more reason to be pissed off. I think Ben can shoot and he has the jump shot. But what he always says and what Doc reiterates, and Doc feels so passionately about this, is that Ben is the smartest player on the floor. He's the highest IQ player on the floor. He's the quarterback of the offense, the extension of the coach. In his mind, he probably thinks. If I dribble down and do what Giannis does or Russell Westbrook and shoot at three and I make it at a 34, 35% clip, yeah, I'll maybe make three out of 10 shots. But I like my chances penetrating the defense, collapsing it, getting two, three defenders on me, absorbing that, and giving it to a guy that's shooting 42%, 5% higher that's getting paid to shoot the three. So I think at all times, he's kind of in this mode where he's like, I got to facilitate, I got to get the best shots. And that's why he is the most assisted three-point makes in the NBA since his rookie season. So he generates shots for his teammates in transition. I don't think you can name five players better than him just in terms of getting downhill and getting to the basket. But I really don't think the jump shot matters as long as you can space the floor and have other options out there. Like if Joel Embiid is a backup plan for, for Ben Simmons, not making a shot, like if Ben can drive and he doesn't make the layup, he gives it to Joel Embiid. Sure. Then the jump shot doesn't really matter as much, but if it's just Ben on his own individual team, then I think he maybe has to add the jump shot. But right now, I'm completely fine with him doing what he does, just facilitating, getting shots for his teammates, putting pressure on the defense, absorbing defenders. And here's the thing, too. Like, I kind of lo I've looked at a ton of film, and there's certain games where Ben Simmons not shooting does negatively affect the 76ers. It didn't really happen in the playoffs because Brooklyn only sagged on him. Like, like that was the only team in Ben Simmons' playoff history where a team just gave Ben Simmons shots. Like, they let him shoot. And the Boston, Sixers and Boston stay doing that to him though. But, I mean, Ben Simmons mopped the floor with not Ben Simmons, but the Sixers in general. They they went four of one with Brooklyn in that playoff series, and that was really the only team that sagged off truly of Ben. The times when it hurts is like when Ben drives, jumps in the air, turns around, and just throws it to nobody, and it's a turnover. It's like, yeah, if you just shot the ball, that would have been better than you turning the ball over there. But in terms of just teams like sagging off of him. It doesn't happen as much. And all you need to know is that if you've got Ben Simmons in transition, teams devote two, three defenders to him. Like before he even crosses half court, they're more concerned about the Ben Simmons drive than they are three-point shots for his teammates. And that's all, me personally, that's all I need to know. If a team is more frightened for Ben Simmons getting a two in transition than they are of Seth, Seth Curry or Danny Green hitting a three, the jump shot doesn't really matter to me.
But let, let, let me just ask you this, though. Do, would you agree that in the playoffs, you see a lot less transition and more half-court sets? The game slows down. The rotations are smaller. The shot clock is used more. And that's where Ben Simmons still, when he has a guard on the floor with him and he and he's in the two-man game with a Curry or a Shake or anybody else, it works. But when you have Ben Simmons at the top of the key, it starts to put the offense in a funk, especially if, it, if Joe's not on the floor. To get a bucket, you see, you saw it last night. I put it. I literally put the screenshot in my video after the game. Tobias Harris <laughs> got got automatically double teamed in overtime because Ben Simmons' man is behind everybody, and he's just standing out there by himself. And he passes it to Tobias, and Randall goes right over to Tobias because he doesn't have to guard Ben Simmons. You're playing four on five, and then he gets double teamed. It's a turnover, and it's a bucket on the other end. Well, that's where I give Doc Rivers credit because he's kind of disguising that this season with Ben in the dunker spot. He's kind of Got Ben in this role where, like, if they do double-team Joe, if they do double-team Tobias, it's an easy find for Ben, and the defense just has to respond to that. So I definitely agree. Like, defensively, if you're defending Ben Simmons and he's in the pick-and-roll and it's the playoffs, like, you might go under that screen a little half-assed because you're like, he's not going to shoot this shot. But the problem is, if Ben's aggressive, if he's in attack mode and he wants to get downhill and he's coming around that screen, you can't stop him because he's just too big, too fast, too strong. So – it really just comes down to what version of Ben Simmons you're getting. If Ben is aggressive, <laughs> if Ben's attacking, if he's applying pressure, the jump shot doesn't matter. If you've got a timid Ben Simmons, he's not applying pressure, he's shooting eight shots a game, turning the ball over four times, and the jump shot matters. Then you sag off, then it affects his teammates. But as long as Ben Simmons is aggressive and applying pressure, being the best version of himself, I don't mind the, 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 the lack of a jump shot. It's just for me, like I've kind of come to terms with Ben Simmons' game. Like, I'm accustomed to his game. I appreciate his game for what it is. And I know at this point, if the jump shot doesn't come, I'll never be let down because I didn't expect it. But if the jump shot does come, that's awesome because I wasn't expecting it. Uh, so I just appreciate Ben's game for what it is. I'd make a bold statement and say that Ben Simmons on this trajectory is a Hall of Fame basketball player. It's very early in his career. He's 24 years old. But historically, players with his build, his versatility, his impact on the game are in the Hall of Fame. So me right now, I'm willing to say that Ben Simmons, when it's all said and done, if he taps into that potential a little bit more, is a Hall of Famer. But the big thing is, it won't be as a point guard because that's not what he is. He's a power forward that plays point from his position. Point yes, forward. absolutely. I completely agree with that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Which is why the, you need a point guard. Exactly. <laughs> I agree. And that's it. <laughs> If you got a point guard, like if you had a Kyle Lowry and Ben Simmons set screens <laughs> yeah. and roll, and like that brings that, it all the way back <laughs> to a way different unguardable level. But yeah, we still we, the we last the, the last time we saw him with a point guard on the floor was Trey Burke. It was <laughs> it's still the that's still the I mean Shake Milton to an extent, you know, when Shake they run those lineups. But the last Burke. time, and Brett was like, "Nah, we don't want all that. Get him out of here. Cut. <laughs> Cut. Yeah, play Howell Meadow. Like, what was that? What was that?" I don't know, man, but it, but but, but but Ben's his yeah his skill set will always be so good that he doesn't have to shoot. It doesn't matter how much I hate it or anybody hates it. He's always going to be so good at the other things that even the coach, like you say, Doc Rivers is so creative with him. Even the coaches are going to have to be like, well, this is what he wants to do, and he's so good at playing like that that I have to deal with it. Everybody in the world just has to deal with it. <laughs> I mean, listen, Ben's added that skyhook, which is a huge addition. He's added that magic Scotty Pippen skyhook to his post game. If Ben can add a 12 to 15 foot J, like if he posts a dude up and he can just turn around and hit a J, 
it's a whole different ball game. He becomes mm-hmm. a whole different anomaly. Uh, so for right now, I'm content with what he gives. But yeah, eventually, if he doesn't change with the rest of the league, the league will adjust. Like there will be defenders <laughs> that are just as big, just as fast, just as strong, and that will get exploited. But I think over time, Ben will develop, and he's in really good hands. I can't stress that enough. Doc and Sam Cassell, they both played against Magic. They played in the league with some Hall of Famers. They've been employed as NBA coaches for over a decade. So if there was anybody that you'd want Ben Simmons with, it's those two. Yeah, just just as a person, like, I'm loving this debate right now. I forgot I was even on this stream. Like, I feel like it's just a Ben Simmons <laughs> roundtable here. And the only things I want to add, like, number one, I think that when the Sixers paid Ben Simmons and when they drafted him number one overall, I don't think they expected this version of Ben Simmons. As much as people think, you know, like he's – I don't I don't think he's always going to be this player, um, even though a lot of people do. Like, I don't think they expected, you know, when they said, all right, let's give him the, the max contract. Like, this is just who he's going to be. Pure facilitator, lockdown defender, et cetera. Like, I, I thought they expected his offensive game to develop. That being said – they, all this stuff is great. Like Brock said, a 15-foot shot is fine. All I want Ben to do, and I love Ben, but like, you know, like DJ pointed out on his video yesterday, like if you're open, just take the shot, right? Like don't overthink it. Don't, you know, if you're contested, if you're coming off the dribble, you don't even have to start with that. Just if you're open, whether you got to run plays or whatever you got to do to get Ben open, like, you know, if you're open, just shoot it. Like that's all I want to see. Um, and then the last thing I'll say is that when we go to the playoffs, guys, I think it's going to really tell a, a tale. Like, I think there's going to be um, something that we talk about for years because Ben didn't get to play in the playoffs last year. When we saw him against Toronto, we, we've heard all the stories, but, like, you know, he was he was taken out of the equation for the most part. So when the game slows down, right, I, I mean, Joel Embiid's playing at an all-time level. Tobias Harris is playing at, you know, the Doc Rivers coaching level of Tobias we saw in L.A. I think it's really going to tell a tale because I've been saying for years Ben needs to develop some kind of shot for us to win a championship. I don't know if that still if that still holds true. What do I think it'll help us? Yeah, but I think how he plays in these playoffs, if he keeps that aggressive mentality that you guys are talking about, I think that's going to tell a lot um, in terms of what we need to contend for years. But I, I, I wait real quick. I think that the very first playoff game, you're going to see Ben Simmons struggle. That wall is going to be built depending on who we play. If we play, say we get the Bucks. For, I don't know what I don't know where we're gonna fall. I don't know how long Joel and B is gonna be, but when we play the Bucks, I think Ben is gonna struggle. But I think Doc is the right coach to make the adjustments, and you will see game two, three, four, five when we when we take that command and lead. Ben will be different because of Doc, where he got the wall build up on him, and Brett Brown was like, "Well, this is when you shoot. Like, keep Doc running, will run plays." <laughs> Doc will run plays and, and yeah. it will kind to this guy's like you said. I don't think the wall is going to be as much of a challenge it was for Ben with right. Doc's system. All the pick high pick and rolls and stuff like that. I think yeah. it will break the wall down. Mm-hmm. I, I think Ben is a completely different player. I think the mentality is a little different. I think he got through his worst patch of basketball at the beginning of the season. He's comfortable in his role now. And I see somebody comment if Ben Simmons is pegged to forward. If he gets drafted as a forward, Brett Brown never calls him a point guard. Do people care as much about the jump shot? And I don't think so. Like there was Blake for a long time before he didn't shoot. Nobody cared. Look at Zion now. Zion's giving dudes 30 points a night, and that's without a jump shot. Like he's just willing his way into the paint, and nobody cares because he's too big, too fast, too strong. The thing with Ben is his coach called him a point guard when former Sixers coaches like Larry Brown said he's not a point guard. 
And now Ben Simmons, yeah. the Sixers coach, said he's not a point guard. He just plays point from his position, which makes him super rare because there's nobody other than LeBron, other than Giannis, maybe KD, at his size that can do what he does. Like the crossover at his size, nobody can do that other than KD. Bullying his way to the basket at his size, nobody can do that other than LeBron and Giannis. Defensively, I'd argue he's the most intimidating perimeter defender in the NBA. So everything is there. They can win without him shooting the jump shot, but there are nights where it definitely derails Philadelphia. I don't think he's going to struggle. I, 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 I don't know why, but I think this is a completely different Ben Simmons, and I love this system for him. The thing about Ben and, and, and just his game is like it all depends on what your expectations are. Like if Ben gives you a 14-point night with 12 assists where he assists six three-point makes, do you like that? Are you okay with it? Me as a bet, like like the way I watch basketball, I appreciate that. But for certain people, if they see 14 points, 12 assists, that's not enough. We need 28 and 14. And I can understand that. I can definitely understand that. And I can resonate with that. But it's a little unrelated. Ever since Kobe passed, I stopped comparing. I stopped taking games for granted. I just appreciate what we got now. So whatever product players put on the floor, I appreciate it. Yep. And I think you will. I think it's easier to appreciate that in a win than mm -hmm. a loss because oh, things get brought up. Things get put under the microscope when you lose. When you're winning, it doesn't matter how you're winning. Winning is what the game's are about. You, <laughs> are you talking Agreed. about last night? Are you are you counting last night in that? Because listen to me, to me, last night Ben Simmons in overtime, that's a loss. Uh, 99 times out of 100. Two Danny Green heavily contested threes in a corner. Uh, uh, what was the other one? A bet, a horrible call from the refs under the basket that not literally get handed us the game. Sustainable. No, I thought that was a foul. That's a loss nine out of ten. They're not beating the Knicks in a seven-game series with that roster last night. Uh, I don't know. See, with, with me, <laughs> like I'm watching that game like I'm happy we won, kind of, but that's not a win to me. This the, the was seven, horrendous. The seven turnovers were terrible. <laughs> the seven Ben turnovers were terrible. He missed two huge free throws at the line, and Tobias came out really short too. But I didn't even care about the game last night. Like I think Philly's just – I think they've played six games in 12 nights, something like that. A lot of their shots were short, so it looked like they ran out of gas. But if they see the Knicks in the playoffs, I think it's a four-game sweep. And and if you don't have Joel Embiid, then yeah, it's probably a different result. But yeah, it's a hypothetical, it's a hypothetical because you're not going to be without Embiid, presumably. Um, but last night in overtime, like Ben hit that hook shot over the double screens, which was a good bucket. He got that Danny Green three in the corner. He assisted that. Um, but yeah, on a night like last night where he turns the ball over seven times, you really can't praise him. Like there there isn't anything to praise. Yeah. Uh, but again, it's March. I'm not worried. And if we see the Knicks, if we see the Bucks, any of them. I'm not worried. It's not even hmm. – I'm not – everyone thinks I'm stuck on the jump shot, too. I'm not really even stuck on the jump shot. Go to the rim, get to the foul line. It, it, it's you? this choosing – choosing to – you like you even said, what version are we going to get? And mm -hmm. speaking of him in college, he did that in college. He had a 49-point triple-double in college, and then there would be games where it, you didn't see his name on ESPN because he had 11 points or something like that. He did that in college, but everybody assumed, well, he's eight, 19 years old or whatever. He's going to become something else, and six years later – He's that same mentality right now. One game, he's a dominant force that won't stop going to the basket and gives the Jazz 42 points on 13 of 15 from the free throw line or something ridiculous. Was and then the other night, it's it's not the same. I don't know why, but I feel like the games are officiated differently when Embiid's not on the floor. I don't know if that's just me, but it just seems like some of these dudes like Tobias, like Ben, 
when Embiid's not playing, like I just feel like they can't get calls. Uh, but DJ, to your point, Ben gets you no get calls. Embiid, You're not wrong about that. If you get Embiid going to the line, shooting 12 free throws a night, and you get 10 from Ben, just imagine that. Like teams don't even shoot 22 free throws a night. If you get that between two players, I mean, how do you match that? Like you're imposing your will early. And, and your fingerprints are going to be all over that game because it's like they couldn't stop you. They had to foul you, and you won the game getting to the line. So if Ben is aggressive, if he gets calls, if he can shoot 10 free throws a game, I mean, it's over. Like, it's over. But once you get to the playoffs, though, even though the officiating has been horrible this year, not just for the Sixers, for a lot of games, you watch other games, you're like, ow. Um, I agree they don't call fouls on Ben Simmons, but – some of the fouls that even Joel Embiid gets throughout the season, they don't do that same stuff in the playoffs. And that's where I think some that's of our booty balls get struggled a little bit too. But I, I have all the faith in the world in Doc Rivers getting the best out of these guys as we watch and we adjust per the team. But I think, again, we're going to go as far as Joel Embiid brings us. I still think, you know, we need him to be back in the game and moving around the same way he was early. Like, I love what Tobias and Ben does on, on, on every other night basis. Sometimes the bench is inconsistent or consistent, but it's still going to run around Joel Embiid, the two-man game, everything. Um, I just hope we get him back the same. That's my still a fear. Yeah, Rock, no doubt about uh, it. My, my guy, my guy Edward Narvaez in the comments. He's gonna pr he's gonna print out your picture and put it on his wall. <laughs> I was gonna say that pretty soon, bro. There, there's some cheerleaders. You're saying there. everything he wants you to say, man. Um, I think that the Ben Simmons <laughs> thing is so fun because uh, it's complete. It is like nobody. No, there's no middle ground. It's a complete. It's just like politics or the Carson Wentz situation. There is absolutely no middle ground. You either love him or you hate him. You either have a ton of criticisms. Or none. So it's always fun to talk about Ben. And the thing is, it's sports. Like neither of us have the right opinion. We're, yep. we're, we're both just yeah, we're sharing just our opinion. It. There's no right answer. So I love the engagement. I love the disagreement because it gives us stuff to talk about. And I think the difference between us four and a lot of other people is that we don't we don't take it personally. Like we can disagree, we can debate. We're still the same the hour after, two hours the next day. It's all love. Yeah, but, uh for yeah. a lot of people that's how like, grown folks do that's exactly. how grown folks do it you can sit at a bar i got friends that will scream at each other in the face at a bar then, screaming about who's better michael jordan or lebron you know what i mean mm -hmm. it's not a personal thing it's the internet that's like this it's the youtube comments that's like this these people cannot handle somebody thinking differently than them or somebody saying something they disagree with but brock you clearly as a ben stan said when ben simmons gives you nights like last night you're going to say that it wasn't his best game. You're not going to simply oh, yeah. say that. You're not going to simply overlook it because at the end of the day, sports players, whatever you do good, if you go to your work and you have an off day at work, if you didn't produce, if you're in a production line, if you're selling cars, today you sold eight, yesterday you sold one. You're going to say, dang, I had a bad game. I had a bad day. Like you got to judge yourself. And so at the end of the day, we're Philly fans. We're going to be overly critical. We either love the player. Or we hate the player. And, and, Again, most most uh, basketball players, football players love that about Philly. I just think that, like you said, it's a hater or love it, no in between. And I just think that Ben Simmons is going to come out in these playoffs under Doc Rivers. I just don't think it's going to be shooting. I just think it's going to be in other ways we use them. I'm for them. Just I still, again, would like to see the three-second Jimmy. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Yeah. And like someone said earlier, like, I think at the end of the day, like we all just have this burning desire to win, like winning cures everything. If, I, if Ben Simmons could put up three points, 
50 assists and 10 rebounds. We win the game. We win the championship. I ha- I don't care. Danny Green could go for 40. If we win, that's it. We just all want the team to be optimized to the maximum efficiency. Um, so, like I said, uh, the playoffs are going to tell a lot. Um, you got to love, you know, when a trade deadline stream turns into Ben Simmons talk. I mean, we could, we could do this for hours. I, <laughs> yeah, rename it. Rename I, it. I looked up at the clock. I saw 730. I'm like, damn, we've we, we been going for an hour and a half with no end in sight. Yes, sir. And uh, shout out to Brian Fuller, $5 uh, Super Chat says, my money's on Philly Mike one-on-one when this happens. Shout out Philly to Philly Mike. Mike. The He's got the guys Okay, okay. Hey, uh, just want to take a second. Shot, we still got 385 people in here, guys. I want to say thank you to everybody in the chat. Shout out to my guys up here, man. Again, Philly Mike, Philly Talk Podcast, Brock Landis, and DJ Eastwood, running back Philly, RB here, Philly Take with RB. Guys, if you have not yet subscribed to all these guys, some of the best content in the game. We got Philly Mike with the play by plays, everything. We got Breakdown Brock, and then we got Run It Back, who uh, everybody Breakdown thinks is Brock, Ben Simmons. Like it. <laughs> everyone it's thinks it's guy. exactly exactly but yeah these guys are some of the best i hope we I can do ben, this again soon anybody who really wants to say it i got ben simmons jerseys literally right there i got the all-star jersey i got the rookie jersey i had the lsu jersey i gave that away i, I was the biggest ben simmons fan in the world he's he's letting me down that's all but i'm still yeah. gonna take him for what he is because he's that good at what he does that's that's my that's what that's my main Listen, no, thing. dj when i re- when i watch your videos some you to watch DJ videos when he talks about Ben, you got to read between the lines. Listen, you don't spend that much time talking about someone if you don't love them. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he loves them, he just wants to see him. Yeah, he's the Philly fan who who expects the most. You got some Philly fans who just want the dub. DJ's gonna try to push him to his well, they're the real Ben Simmons haters. The real Ben Simmons haters just come in the comments and say, Ben Simmons is trash, trade him. Ben Simmons is trash, overrated. He sucks. Just, you know what I mean? That's a real Ben Simmons hater. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not that. I'm not stupid. Not. <laughs> there you go. We got Edward coming with a $5 donation. Says, sorry, I'm a Simmons lover. There you go. Hey, we got people on both sides of the spectrum. Listen, all I'm going to say is 29 other teams in the league would give them a max contract if they had the money to. I agree. And 29 other coaches in the league would love to have Ben playing for him. So while he's here, you should appreciate him. Now there's the expectation thing, like I said. So if you expect more, you absolutely can. If you want more jump shooting, if you want more point production, you have absolutely every right to expect that. But it just comes down to what type of basketball fan you are. If you're a hoops junkie like me and you look at the box score, you watch a game and you like 12 assists, then absolutely power be to you. But if people also want more from Ben, it's a fair criticism. Like I said, there's no middle ground. As long as you try to appreciate him and his game, that's all that really matters. All right, I got to go. I got to run up out of here, but I do want to ask you one more question, Brock. Do you think Ben Simmons has the skill set to be an MVP-level player? MVP is a little different. I think he's a Hall of Famer, but MVP is a little different. Um, if he shoot really, the ball, in my opinion, if he shoot the ball, he could be top 10 all time when it's all said and done. He I could think, dominate the entire league if he would shoot the ball. If Ben has a jump shot, he looks like Scottie Pippen, but a little bit better. And I can't really say that because the game's different. The way they play defense and offense is completely different. So it's tough to compare them. But for comparison's sake, if any of you watched Scottie Pippen, if you're familiar with Pippen, Ben Simmons with a jump shot is a bigger and stronger and more willful Scottie Pippen is a different version of Pip. So absolutely, if he adds that jump shot, I think he's a Hall of Famer as it is. So yeah, that that probably would put him in MVP contention. But that's a really narrative-based award. And I don't know if Ben Simmons has the national recognition and respect 
to win that award. But yet again, Ben Simmons has more points, rebounds, assists, steals, triple doubles than Giannis through their first 248 games. Giannis, it took him six seasons to really win and get that MVP award. So you never know. It's only the prelude with Ben. He's just 24. I'm 21 years old. Ben's three years older than me. Okay, so Ben's got plenty yeah. of time. The book is just being written. I yeah. think people in the comments aren't really understanding what I'm saying. I'm saying could if he wanted it, he could definitely be an MVP-level player. The, the answer to that, in my opinion, is yes. The yeah. answer to will he ever be one is no because he doesn't want He doesn't care. He's cool with how he is right now. That's just what I see. You know what I mean? He's cool with what he is right now. He doesn't aspire to be a top 10 player. He doesn't really care. <laughs> That's how I see it. Yeah. He's said it before. He's straight up said, I don't give a... F He's straight up said <laughs> it before. He straight up told a reporter, I'm an all-star, so whatever. He doesn't care. He did say <laughs> I'm an all-star without shooting. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. But, hey, That's shout out to everybody. Good. We're all about to get off, uh, get off here. But again, I want to thank these three for coming on here to talk. Um, hopefully we can do this again soon. Maybe, you know, some point during the season, have a conversation about the team, maybe, you know, after the trade deadline, whatever. Uh, hopefully we can do this again. But again, I'll, I'll give everyone a chance to go around because we still got 370 in here. Um, I'll go first. RB Philly take with RB guys. Thank you for coming in. Shout out to everyone in the chat. And then we'll go over to Philly Mike. Appreciate y'all for coming through, whether you love Ben Simmons or hate Ben Simmons. At the end of the day, we all love the Sixers. Um, like I said, I think I think if we're winning, it doesn't matter how we win. We do it as a unit. Still think Joel Embiid is the anchor, the undertaker, as my as my guy Brock would say, of the team. Um, Doc's been a, a gem and a half at coach. Really changed this. Like I said, I go by Philly Mike, host of the Philly Tall Podcast. That's all you got to do. Type either Philly Mike or Philly Tall Podcast in the search bar. Appreciate you guys. Yeah, everyone, I appreciate you showing out and showing love, extending your love to me. All my people in the chat, I saw DC in here. I saw a couple of names. Edward, everybody showing love. I appreciate you all. Uh, thank you for rocking with me on YouTube. I'm Brock Landis on Twitter right there. Landis Brock. I keep promoting my work, but there's a breakdown video coming out tomorrow. That breakdown is the back and back, back to back. So the Knicks and Kings game, there's a really big Simmons piece, the biggest piece I've ever made. And I'm devoting everything I have to it for people that might not like Simmons, people that love him. However you feel, you got to watch it because I guarantee you'll watch Ben a little differently. So make sure to tune in my YouTube right. and I appreciate all of you for tapping in. You guys are B Philly talk, run it back. I think we got a good little thing going on here. The people in the chat seem to like it. So let's make it yeah, happen. I like this. Brock, how do you feel about me doing a live reaction to that video? I love it. I'm all for it. I love it. <laughs> it's on, bro. I can't I wait. It. You know what the crazy thing is? Brock, <laughs> listen, Brock's pretty much saying if, if you don't love Ben Simmons after watching it, you will. And then Eastwood I'm said, if you do love him now, I'm going to take you back on my reaction. Listen, you don't got to love him, but you'll see the film and you'll be like, damn. Okay. I love him. I love nah. him. He just pisses me off. You know what I mean? I piss Ooh. off my girlfriend all the time. She didn't kick me out yet. She still <laughs> takes me for all the good things that I do. That's just, that's how I am with Ben Simmons. I'm going to take him for the good that he does. I'm still going to be pissed off in the process. <laughs> yeah. DJ, let us know where to find you, man. DJ Eastwood, run it back Philly. Yes, uh, sir. Yeah, subscribe, like, comment, yes, all that. Yes, sir. Thanks, everyone, for coming. And uh, we guys, we uh, will catch you on the next one, man. Let's see if the Sixers make a trade, man. Let's hope we do. All right, peace. All right, guys.